Good morning. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. Wonderful to have you joining me here today at New Church Live in the midst of vacation season. So whether you're joining us from down at the shore or whether you're joining us from Florida or out on the West Coast or way up in the Northeast, it's wonderful to have you here today. And we have a service for you that's, that's a lot of fun. And in the background of this service is this, is, uh, you know, we've been looking at, uh, looking at, at five basic core concepts of the Christian New Church theology that really can be life-changing. And these concepts, folks, you want to come at it two ways. One is to understand that as a church, we really try to live that. And we try to live it in ways in this new era of online that are very, very challenging, filled with opportunity, the whole thing. And if you'd like to keep track of that, if you'd like to be part of some of our events we have going on, again, you can sign up on our webpage for our newsletter. And our newsletter will keep you up to speed on all the different small groups, et cetera, we have going on here at New Church Live, as well as a very fun event. We're gonna do a large in-person event come September. And we also wanna look at these ideas and, and look at these ideas and, and look at them in a way that should bring a smile. I, I was writing somebody this morning, emailing somebody this morning who's tuning in, and I was saying, yeah, you know, we want to make sure religion is fun. I mean, of course religion has things that it asks of us. Of course it has a sacrificial element. But if it doesn't also have joy in it, it means there's a leak in there somewhere. And that's what we want to share these five things with, with, with this basic idea that, yeah, there's, just, there's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of perspectives out there that can really help us move forward in our lives. So what are those, those five ideas we've been looking at? Well, here they are. Variety is perfection. Love above all else. Creation never ends. The common good. And today, transformative versus transactional. Now, each one of those was its own sermon. You can go back and take a look. And each of these are sort of core Christian new church ideas. And it's, it's not necessarily that, that new church ideas are brandy new. In a lot of ways, it's kind of a return to first. It's a return to going back to, to the really the core parts of the Christian message as a lived experience for people. Now, sometimes I, I do know that sometimes people need slightly different language. Sometimes something can sound one way as when we do it with formal language can sound another way when we rephrase it. So I played around just a little bit with rephrasing it. And this might be some way we would rephrase those five ideas. First, people are blessedly different. And I think we all can attest to that. Like people, the journey around people is an extremely exciting journey because we're all so different. We all see the world from our own particular way. And, and so much of life is not as, you know, going to battle over those differences. It's really learning to celebrate them and to get them pointed in the right direction. Second one, rephrased a little bit. We must love them all. Goodwill reigns. It doesn't say we have to agree with them all, because <laughs> guess what? We won't. But it does say this. It does say, you know, can we bring goodwill to everything? Can we bring goodwill to everyone, to every situation, where we're simply wishing people well? Where we're simply wishing people well. The third one, God's endeavor is to bring, to bring life, to bring love to life never ends. So, so that idea that, that God's in this endeavor of, of love coming to life, love being enlivened, and that endeavor never ends. 
never ends in this life. It never ends in the next life. Like this is a constant endeavor because that's what love does. Love is constantly seeking to reach out beyond itself. The fourth one, we get to be part of that love by usefully contributing to community. It's, I, I love this particular part. I mean, this part really resonates deeply in my heart. It's, it's very easy to leave love as just sentimental schlop. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the frosty Hallmark card. And there is a time for that. I want to be clear. Hallmark movies are really fun at Christmas. And we also have to have this love that is moving forward. Love in action. We're literally, there is an active force to it. Where we're literally seeking, how do we do something with this? How do we realize love out there into the world? So it can't just sort of hang out there untethered. It has to be grounded. And that grounding is where we find true joy. And the last one, within all of this, love transforms everything. That's big. I wanted to read a, a quote from New Church Theology here where Emmanuel Swinerborg says, the Lord's love, here you can think God's love, the Lord's love is a love of sharing everything it has with everyone. It intends the happiness of all. I, that, that particular phrase, folks, I think gets to so much of the transformative nature of God's love. Like, like God is intending for life to transform, and it's, it's the transform, transformative way, just you know, in the same way caterpillar to butterfly. Like, that's the endeavor. And it's easy to sit in a place in our culture where it's like, okay, so what are the five steps to that? And it's not necessarily the five steps. I think so much of it is just us releasing our anxiety just into that this is the journey. This is the journey we're on. Some days are going to be really hard, really challenging. Some chapters that we go through are going to be really challenging. But as I was telling uh, someone that I was working with earlier this week, and it's, this is a quote from Donald Miller that I love, you know, no book is good until there's a challenge. No chapter of a book is, a good, is good without a challenge in it. And that's where we can live into that and, and open ourselves to the way life the way, the way life is moving. Yes, what would I say? So if somebody asked me to really get down to what the core of Christian New Church thought is for me, and they said, could you share that with me? I think maybe I'd say it this way. Just please know God loves you. Just please know God loves you unconditionally. That's the very core of it. That's the core transformative love. And that's what we're going to dive into a little more deeply today, looking at ways in ourselves where we can move away from that and ways where we can live into that more and more, really coming to a point where we understand that we are finited forms of God's love. That doesn't make us equal to God in any way, shape, or form. That makes us his children. And that gives us this beautiful spiritual legacy to live into. As we often do in New Church Live, you know, we gather here at the Mitchell Performing Arts Center in northeastern Pennsylvania, excuse me, southeastern Pennsylvania, and we gather here once a week, and we invite anyone who's in the area, you know, to join us for our studio audience. We usually have a small studio audience here, 
And you're more than welcome anytime to join us. And we also have a large online audience that joins us both live on Sundays and joins us throughout the week in terms of looking at archive services. And regardless, we like to put questions out there so that we get a chance to interact with people in terms of, of how they might be seeing things. So for today, our question is this. Who is someone whose love transformed your life? I think we all have a person whose love, actually, our life was this, and they, in an amazing way, loved us into a new way of being. Those people are incredibly important in our lives. You know, I think about, I, I had a grandfather who was that way. He was, everything I was, he was not. <laughs> he, was, he was quiet, he was very introspective, he was an erringly generous and charitable. Um, and yet his, he, he held life with, with this real quiet grace. He was a very quiet man. A real quiet grace. I sort of feel like I'm a bull in a china shop most of the time who's breaking a lot of dishes. And here was a guy who was very different from that. But I knew he loved me. And I know that love transformed my life in so many ways, still does to this day. So who was that for you? Who was that person whose love really transformed your life? So you can text that in to me at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. And I'd love to hear what you thought as we take a look at a beautiful rendition, a beautiful song done by the New Church Live Band.
that's alright, my love, cause you're my home. If I travel all my life and I never get to stop and settle down, long as I have you by my need you in my house, cause you're my home, you're my home, you're my home, What a beautiful song, and, and that idea of, of, you know, you're my home. And that idea that, that people's love transforms our lives. You know, I'm sitting back there, like, reading it. Oh, my goodness, you folks send in beautiful things. Things we get from all over the country. And, and, and beautiful thoughts about, about how, people, how people's lives have been transformed by other people's love. Like, just, just sit with that for a second. We live in a life where we can love other people, taking that love from God, doing it in a humble way, and it can actually be part of transforming the world. That's something to really, to really let sink in. And I, I, I love this idea of transform versus transactional love. I, I'm not gonna bore you with a story. One of my favorite stories of Eugene Peterson, takes a while to tell, but I'm not gonna tell the whole story, is, is just where he came to the realization that, that all pastors essentially have one sermon. And what they do is they take that sermon and they riff on it in a million different ways. And, and this is one of the ones for me. I mean, I think probably I have one, two, maybe three key ideas that really have struck me over my life as a pastor and over just my life. And one of the primary ones is this idea of transformative love versus transactional. And I can remember being at a conference and, and seeing somebody flash that up and I thought like, yes, that's it. Transformative love versus transactional. And that's so much core to the, the new church message. A quick definition of the two, for those of you who aren't familiar with those, those phrases. Transactional love says, I will love you if, and I will love you when. It's where we set up if-then kind of scenarios. So our love becomes completely conditional. Conditional on them meeting our conditions. <laughs> Never us meeting theirs, which is kind of interesting. Transformative love is slightly different. Transformative love just simply says, I love you. Just simply says, I love you. I may not understand you. I may not agree with you. May not this, may not that. And I will always love you. It's just, it's just that simple. And transformative love is the love that actually allows for change because what it says is, I will love you so that you have space to change without feeling that things are at risk without feeling that your love is somehow jeopardized because you're just loved. That's how God's love works. And, and it's very tough, I think, for us, I should say for me, it's very tough for me, I imagine very tough for a lot of you to actually live that 
But, but that's, I think, the goal that we're to strive for as much, as much as we can. Now, part of that, folks, comes down to, to two pieces, I think, that are, are significant. One is, you know, anytime I, I work with young couples, and I do a lot of work with couples, both who are getting married and who are struggling, and, and we talk a lot about, well, what kind of love do you want? Do you want conditional love or unconditional love? And I, I feel like it's a good question to ask. Can you guess what they always answer? 100% of the time, the answer is we want unconditional love. And so much of, of working with people is sort of untangling that and getting them actually to give up on the idea of conditional love. Because it's not what they really want. They really do want that unconditional love that can make such a difference and transform the world. And the other part of it, folks, and I referenced this last week, and I, I want to reference it again because to me it's a bit of a miracle. So we are all made in God's image and likeness. And God's very core is love, so that's why we're made as finited forms of God's love. That's why we're made as his children. That's incredibly important. And it's interesting to look at the world and, and to look at those places where there's these universal experiences, universe, uni-one, verse, song. These places where we kind of touch on one song. And it's, it's continually amazing to me to watch when we touch that, how much we can see it and we just know, oh yeah, that's good. Now as I said last week, of course, there's a cynical part of us that can find a problem in everything. <laughs> there just is. And, and the cynic in you is not going to be terribly helpful a lot of the time. We've got to come to that part, that core, that really understands how truth, love, and beauty cycle together and how we can see it in other places. Now, now a simple example, folks, you know, is, is we had, you know, the Little League World Series. Probably many of you saw this online. We had this batter here get beamed. You can see he's getting beamed right in, the, right in the temple there, accidentally by this pitcher. Now, the pitcher felt so distraught, he ended up in tears. And we're going to show a, a short little video here of what happened. So, for those of you who aren't aware of the rules of baseball, you get hit by a pitch, you get to go to first base. So, this young man gets hit by a pitch, hit in the temple, which is a little scary, actually. He goes out to first base. Here's this pitcher in tears because he's worried he's hurt the young man. And I want you to notice this and just, you know, yeah, I want you to watch it, right? I want you to watch it, obviously. But most importantly, I want you to feel it. I want you to feel that part inside of you and, and, and sense what that feeling is telling you. So please go ahead, take a look here at this little video. Oh, look out. That's awesome. Wow, that is a tough kid right there.
So this is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, Bob. Man, is that beautiful. That gives me a little teary just seeing it. That's transformative love. That's what it looks like. There may be a few people, few crazed, I'll use the word wackadoodles out there on the far fringe. It's like, no, that's not the way it should work. But I think the vast majority of people look at that and think, oh, that's the world I want to live in. That's what transformative love really looks like. It's interesting. The first time I watched that, I, I saw the kids start to like walk off of first base and, and all of a sudden images of like fists flying, benches emptying, a big battle, all that started coming to mind. But none of that happened. What happened, folks, was transformative love. Had totally let go of the transaction. I mean, the kid got hit in the head. And there wasn't this transaction of you hit me, I'm going to yell at you. From, it wasn't any of that. It's like, we're going to choose love here. We're going to choose love. And notice, folks, right? It's, it's not that that transformative love is easy to do. For that young man to step off of first base and hug that pitcher took courage. Please don't ever think that that kind of transformative love is easy or the easy way out or, or isn't making a stand. That, what he did, is making a stand. That's courage. Courage, as many of you know, the word literally means where your heart lives. That young man was showing where his heart lives and by, by simple example, where all our hearts should live. That is a love that transforms. Now, what can get in the way? Well, I love this. I love this great quote. This is from Reverend Nadia Bowles Weber. Our drug of choice right now is knowing who we are better than. <laughs> that should bring a little bit of a smile. Our drug of choice is knowing who we are better than. Boy, we got to be careful with that. It's so easy to do. So easy to sit in this place where I'm sure who I'm better than, and I really believe my job is to let other people and to let them and to let myself know who I'm better than. It's not Christ's message. Now let's take a look at a, at a beautiful thing where, where, where Jesus talks about it. We know that we disconnect from others. We know we disconnect from others, sure that we know exactly what their stance is on any, uh, that what their stance on any one issue means about them, rather than seeing how they actually treat us and other people. That creates the disconnect. So what happens is, is we get a label. We place the label on a person or the label on a group or the label on this or the label on that. And then we are absolutely sure that that label tells us everything about that person. That, that through that one thing, we can know all about them. 
Imagine this, folks. Imagine you pull up behind someone and they have a, they have a bumper sticker that, that, for whatever reason, tweaks you. It's just like, ooh, I don't really like that bumper sticker that much. Isn't it interesting how we look at that bumper sticker and we sure we know everything about the person driving the car? <laughs> Not even asking if it's their car. Right, but we know everything about them based on literally this label they have on a piece of plastic on the back of their car. Life's not that simple. Life's not that simple. Our job is actually to move beyond the labels we place on others into really understanding how they, how they are as a person, understanding their life, Understanding that everybody, I was talking about this with someone right before church today, you know, such a key part of transformative love is understanding that everybody has some best intentions out there. Everybody does at their core. Instead of thinking, how's the label? Here's their label. This is how I'm going to judge them about all of their life. How can I instead think they've got a good intention? Everybody does. How do I see that coming to life? Judging their life versus honoring what is coming to life. That, see, that's third way thinking. Third way means we're not into like this binary. It means we're looking to a third way. That's so much the Christian message. I mean, that is one of the core concepts of the Christian message. Jesus teaches this very, very, very clearly. This is from Luke 18, verses 9 through 12. So this, is, this is filled. We really have to remember, I feel super strongly about this. Be, be square on this, folks. Jesus is funny. Please remember, Jesus is funny. If your view of Jesus has no space for humor, you're probably missing on a few things because he says, he says things that are funny all the time. And we miss it. And this, this quote has some pieces in it that I think are rather humorous. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Now the history of that, a Pharisee would be clergy like myself in the Jewish tradition. And tax collectors, tax collectors were sort of the shakedown artists of the time. They were close to mafia kind of people who would shake people down and they would shake them down to enrich themselves. They would shake them down to enrich the Roman Empire and it was all under this rubric of tax collector. So they were, to say tax collector was to say, I mean, that was as bad as you could get, pretty much as bad as you could get in that culture at that time. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Now that's funny. It wasn't this Pharisee who was here to say prayers. It was, this prayer, it was this Pharisee who was here saying, oh, I'm here to pray about myself today. And I'm so glad you've come so that I can tell you about me. What a strange view of prayer that is. And you can imagine people hearing Jesus say this snickering because it is a line filled with a lot of humor. And prayed, God, I thank you I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast, in other words, I don't eat twice a week, and I tithe, I give a tenth of all that I get. That line, folks, I, I think is, is so beautiful, because you can see in that 
somebody who's absolutely convinced who they are better than, to use Nadia Bowles-Weber's words. Absolutely convinced who they're better than. And, and, and they clearly are seeing love in a transactional way. Like here he's saying, look, I'm better, especially than that person over there, being very public about that. Question why? Well, because look at these transactions I do. I have earned God's love because I'm extremely righteous, extremely pious. I do this with food. I do this with my money. Here's all the evidence. Here's all the transactions that prove what a good person I am. And not only prove what a good person I am, but prove how I'm better than that. We said this, uh, you know, about three weeks ago, you know, it's Alexander Solzhenitsyn's warning again that we have to be super careful about drawing the line of purity between us and others and forgetting, as we often do, that the line goes right down the middle of us, that we're all, we're all kind of goofy. You know, we all make mistakes. None of us, none of us are perfect. So there's a, transform, there's a transformative love here. And we see this in the tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Folks, that, that part, transformative love, it doesn't work if we're stepping into it as like, well, I have transformative love, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of foist it on you. That's, that's not it. That gets into its own transactional stuff, its own hierarchy stuff. Real transformative love. I mean, just, just try this on. Let this settle in your heart. There's an incredible humility to it. There's a part that doesn't need to know. There's a part that doesn't even need to worry about steps per se. It's a part that can just be with in love. That can just be with in love. I mean, think for a moment about a day that just broke your heart. Do you want someone showing up on a day like that with all the answers? Or do you want someone showing up on a day like that just to be with you in love? Probably for most of us, we would answer the latter. Somebody to just be with us in love. And that takes an incredible humility to actually be with other people because it pulls all the transactional nature out of the relationship. It pulls all our agenda out of the relationship and just creates an open field. That's the love that Jesus is pointing us to. That's the love, I think, that, that as, Christian, as a Christian New Church congregation that, that we're to come to again and again and again. And how does, this, how does this story end? Well, I love these last words. Jesus said this, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, went rather than the other, went home justified or connected to God. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And I don't think that's like God saying, I'm going to go out and humble you. I think, I think we, just with life, like those exalted places where we really have, we really think we've got it all figured out. I mean, right? Like think about that time when you really thought you had it all figured out. And if you're probably over, you know, whatever, if, if you're moving in your middle years, isn't it interesting how that, that realm of what we feel we have figured out versus that realm of what we have no clue, the realm of no clue, I think, grows and grows and grows. I feel like I have less and less figured out. And I'm, I'm more and more comfortable with that. Like, it's okay. Because Jesus gives us the default humbly to be with others in love. That's what we can do. And I think that's maybe how the world starts to change. Now, we know a lot of people who've done that. We got a, we got a, uh, we got a bunch of, um, we got a bunch of answers here. A uh, bunch of answers that are really good. Somebody from down south wrote this about their marriage. My whole life has been this learning loving trans- love transforms, including getting married where they told us to do each other every good. That's beautiful. Uh, I, I, felt, I felt my grandfather, he would sit and feed squirrels from his hand in the morning, serving his country in three wars and called back to Washington for a fourth. He paid for them. He paid for people's college in secret and taught us that being useful means happiness. He carried the Quaker idea of quiet and stillness and gave us an example of how to be in society. Do you see the humility there? Wow. My fiance and I met in college when I was still figuring out who I wanted to be in this life. Her happiness and love formed me into a more caring and compassionate person led me down a path that made me into such a better man. That's beautiful. Transformed my life, hands down my wife, no doubt, also her mom. And I know both of those people who you speak of, and I would say amen to that. You know who it is, Chuck. Stephanie has loved me through so much, and most importantly, she expected me to live up to my potential. It's difficult, and it scares me at time. I love her for it. My life is far beyond what I thought it would be. My husband's life transformed me by helping me to grow through honesty, not shunning me, holding me through growing up together. That, that's beautiful, right? Like, isn't it interesting? I love what she wrote there. You know, this, this idea of honesty is part of it, too. Like, love, truth and love go together. Like, to be loving is to be honest. And honesty is one of the most significant ways we can be loving. Another person wrote, Jenny, my wife, first time I knew I was lovable and could love forever. That's beautiful. My field hockey coach, Mara Boyson, the way she loved us into being the best versions of ourselves still impacts me today. My mom, in every chapter of my life, she loves me exactly as I am. That safety is a rock where transformation can occur. Love the way you're saying that, right? Like, again, please remember, it's not soft love. It's a rock. You could use, you could say a lighthouse. It's, it's a way in which we navigate. 
My twin sister, she's the master of tough love, but made me realize it was time to make a change in my life for the better, and I can't thank her enough for it. That's beautiful, because sometimes that transformative love looks like this, a kick in the pants. Another person right, different, beautifully said, different phases of life, a gram, grandma, husband, firstborn child. A friend from Ohio writes, Frank Rose, Pastor Frank Rose and Bob Merrill, who was a member of this, this congregation. There's, there's a bunch more there, and I'm sure we have a bunch more online that we'll be responding to later. Those, those are beautiful examples, folks. And, and can, can you see the transformative love there? Maybe this, as we go into our second song. Maybe the call is to see it. And maybe the call as well is to be it. Enjoy this next song. Oh, 
and open doors for you. As many of you know, we just started our new fiscal year in July. And as we finish the fiscal year each year, I hear a lot of people say, you know what, I wish I could do more. And while we're so appreciative of any dollar amount, I always try to remind people, especially at this time as we're starting a new fiscal year, that the best way to support New Church Live is actually through reoccurring gifts. Um, you can set up a reoccurring gift for any amount at any frequency that works for you. And the beauty of it is once you set it up, it slowly builds your contribution to New Church Live throughout the year. And we say a lot of times, if we had 500 people giving $1,000, we would meet our budget no problem. So we encourage you to think now at the beginning of this fiscal year about setting up a reoccurring donation. It's super easy. There's a couple of ways to do that. You can visit our website and go to the donate tab or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977, and you can set up your reoccurring gift both ways. We hope you will consider doing that. It makes a huge difference for us as we plan and do all of the things that support this amazing congregation. So we hope you'll set up a reoccurring donation today. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Angela. So another little public service announcement dovetailing off of that in a, in a way. So, so New Church Life, because we have congregants all over, is we do little tours on occasion. Uh, for example, next week I'll be going down to New Jersey. So, so if you're in the New Jersey area, I have a free slot on Saturday morning for breakfast. So listen, I never turn down a free breakfast. So if that has any interest to you down in New Jersey, you know, shoot, shoot me a note. We have a, we'll be visiting a number of people, and we have a baptism over in New Jersey. We also are going to have a trip coming up to Tennessee. Last year we did South Carolina and Arizona. Might be doing those again, and then, uh, and then a trip to Florida as well, just to visit congregants we have throughout the country, which is super fun. So, so back to, our, back to our, our idea here of transformative love. You know, uh, Byron Katie said very fascinatingly, and this is, just, this is just a great sort of thing to think through. She said, when we look at a negative thought, something that's, that's, that doesn't work in our lives, we have to think through, all right, who, are, who am I with that thought? And who am I without that thought? So let's play with that for a second as we close. Think of the thought that my job is to figure out who I'm better than. And, and again, we can make a lot of choices to try to signal who we're better than. You know, that we'll have this, or we'll have that, or we'll say this, or we'll say that, or we'll listen to this particular uh, piece of media, or that particular, all this sort of proof who we're, we're better than. So imagine we don't do that, right? Like, or we do do that. What are we with that thought that my job is to figure out who I'm better than? Like, just think for a second of that. What kind of world does that create for us? 
Now let's flip it. What if we drop that? What's our life like if we just drop the idea that we're here to prove who we're better than? That addiction. We're just willing to 12-step. I'm giving it up. Turn it over to you, God. I hope you can sense the difference there, right? Because I, I think there's a lot to be said when we, can, when we can actually give that up. I, I know, I know uh, a story for me as a pastor was, was working with a counselor who I work with who's very helpful to me. And, and a big thing this counselor shared was, was give up the idea of going into a meeting with someone with an agenda. And I remember the first time hearing this person share that, and part of me was like, well, then I won't be able to fix them. <laughs> like, that's crazy, right? Of course, because my job is not to fix them. My job is to be with in love. So I can park my ideas. My ideas aren't that good anyways. <laughs> that's the way we can live when we can live without the thought that we're here to somehow be better than. That doesn't mean, of course, folks, that there, there aren't spaces for us to stand very strongly for what we believe in. And what I know is this, is humble souls who stand strong have power. Humble souls who stand strong have power. And what's the power? The power of transformation. Those are the people who really go about changing the world. It's interesting what can happen when, when we do that. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Thomas Merton, author of The Seven-Story Mountain. He's, he's considered, in, in Christian circles, he's, he's, a, uh, a, he's, a, he's a Catholic monk. He um, is well, well, well known. He's, he died in 1968. And he's sort of a go-to in terms of insights around human nature and around how God interacts with us. And this is what he had to say. To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. That's a direct quote from the Bible, by the way. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. If therefore I do anything or think anything or say anything or know anything that is not purely for the love, and I would say from there as well, purely for the love of God, it cannot give me peace or rest or fulfillment. That idea that love is our name and we're to let that love pass through us and, and that love coming back to this Swedenborgian concept, the Lord's love is a love of sharing everything with everyone, intending the happiness of all. It's a very powerful part. And, and when we can start to understand, as Merton said, that, that this just this simple concept that, that love, love is your name. Love is your name. We mentioned last week, but, it's, but it was a beautiful piece as well. You know, the, this idea if we get that love is our name, what do we start to understand? Well, three things. We start to understand, we can live in that loving place, we start to understand a joy that is just almost indescribable. Because it's not based on conditions of life. I mean, nothing wrong with happiness. 
but happiness to me is, is there's, there's a checklist on the other side of it. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if, blah, 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 blah. But joy, the joy God wants for you is a joy that's not dependent on conditions at all. You know somebody like that. You have a friend or a family member who by all outward appearances, their life is a struggle, but somehow they carry a joy with them. That's because I would imagine maybe they get that love is their name. Maybe. Second thing we get, peace. This level of peace is the word I use a lot in here. We talk about it a lot. We're constantly harping on it because I think it's so important. The word, the Jewish word, shalom. Shalom. Peace. In some Jewish traditions, it's both the word you use to greet people and the word you use when you're leaving dinner as well or leaving some gathering. Power in that too, right? It's a peace, as Jesus said, that passes understanding. Because it's not a peace based on conditions. It's just peace. It's transformative. We understand that when we get that love is our name. And the last thing we get is this idea of innocence. And innocence, as I've said here many times, you know, from a, from a Christian New Church perspective, it really could be defined as openness. You know, we, we get to be open because maybe this, right? There's an openness that's not based on conditions. We're just open. And we just are able to, like, lower our shoulders and relax into this openness, knowing that we're never at risk in a certain sense. I mean, we can be at risk in a in a natural sense, but this is talking at a spiritual sense. This is talking at the level of your soul. Your soul's never at risk. Never. There's an inmost part of that in heaven right now. So your soul is never at risk. And what happens when we understand that love is our name? Well, it allows for an openness that just has a very different feel to it. Because that openness means we're entering situations, full circle here, friends, where joy and peace come right along with us. I mean, just imagine entering life, entering a room, entering fill in the blank, and you're just filled with joy and peace and openness. That's the kind of love it transforms. That's the kind of love that is your name. That's the kind of love that God is calling you to. So let's think about that. Let's, let's live this. Let's, let's figure out some way to look at these five ideas that we've been talking about and not just leave them as concepts up there for worthy of publishing. <laughs> Let's take these and say, yeah, worthy of publishing, which is what we do here, but most importantly, worthy of living. Worthy of your time. Worthy of your attention. Worthy of your best efforts. Let's try that. So with that, friends, we close this series. I want to thank you for joining us for these five things. It's been wonderful sharing it with you. And the way we're going to close this series in this service here today 
is with a prayer, and then the Lord's Prayer, and then a little, little blessing, and then our final song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the grace we have in being able to think through, consider, honor, transformative love. How that transformative love has both looked and acted and worked in our lives. We know it when we see it, Lord. And help us to take that, help us to take what we truly know and to move it into our lives, to slide it into our lives, to, to see it as our legacy, a legacy that reminds us more and more that love is our name. Be with us, Lord, in the week ahead. Bring us joy, bring us peace, bring us openness, bring us home. Amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends.
Thank you guys.